I want to update you on what's going on with Julian Assange, because it's very important. And with the campaign uh, and all the attention on that, I don't want people to lose sight uh, of what is going on with Julian Assange. So there was a hearing today, uh, first of his extradition hearing in the UK. Uh, WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange is at high risk of suicide if he is sent to the U.S., uh, to face claims he endangered the lives of whistleblowers around the world, a court has heard. At an extradition hearing in London, Assange's lawyers argued he is the victim of a politically motivated prosecution that forms part of Donald Trump's, quote, war on investigative journalists. But the U.S. government claimed some sources had, quote, disappeared after the WikiLeaks founder put them at risk of serious harm, torture, or even death by leaking classified information. James Lewis QC, opening the case against Assange, said on Monday that information published by WikiLeaks was useful to enemies of the U.S. In response, lawyers for the 48-year-old editor and political activist have warned he could face, quote, fatal consequences if he is extradited to America, where he faces 18 charges, including espionage and hacking allegations. Assange faces up to 175 years in jail if he is found guilty of all the charges which relate to 2010 and 2011. Mr. Lewis told Woolwich Crown Court, which is sitting as a magistrate's court, that most of the charges related to, quote, straightforward criminal activity in a, quote, conspiracy to steal from and hack into the, Demo- the, defense, the Department of Defense computer system. Quote, these are ordinary criminal charges and, and any person, journalist or source, who hacks or attempts to gain unauthorized access to a secure system or aids and abets others to do so is guilty of computer misuse, the barrister said. So right here is why this is so dangerous. And for those of you who don't know specifically what they are talking about, when they say these are ordinary criminal charges... Uh, and any person, journalist, or source who hacks or attempts to gain unauthorized access to a secure system or aids and abets others to do so is guilty of computer misuse. So basically, what the Trump administration and the United Kingdom judge, in this case, is trying to do is trying to lump Julian Assange, a journalist, in with just any person because, frankly, journalists have different protections than any person would have. They're trying to say that Julian Assange, by talking to Chelsea Manning while Chelsea Manning in 2010 was trying to figure out the passwords to get into the Department of Defense system, they're trying to say that by Julian Assange, a journalist essentially egging on Chelsea Manning to try and get into that system that he aided and abetted Chelsea Manning's uh, criminal activity. By the way, Chelsea Manning is still in solitary confinement in Virginia. Let's not forget that. So this is, of course, absurd. History does not, history does not um, do this to journalists. If they want to be careful with the blue one. If they want to go after Julian Assange and say he aided and abetted Chelsea Manning in quote unquote hacking the Department of Defense 
computer system, then they need to retroactively go back. I'm not saying I want this, but if they are going to be intellectually consistent, then they would have to retroactively go back and prosecute Daniel Ellsberg, uh, Edward, uh, uh, Daniel Ellsberg. They would need to also, I'm sorry, not, not Daniel Ellsberg. They would need to retroactively go back and prosecute the New York Times, the Washington Post, for publishing the Pentagon Papers. Because do you think the Washington Post, do you think the, the New York Times weren't egging on sources who were on their, by their own choice choosing to break the law? to access documents, to uh, get into databases. A journalist speaking with a source, and a, a source who is choosing to risk their own security, their own freedom for the greater good, a journalist not going to the authorities, a journalist tell, you know, urging that source to do it, is not a crime. That is not aiding and abetting. That is not participating in hacking into the Pentagon system. Julian Assange was never actively on a computer trying to hack into the Pentagon's files. That's just not true. It never has been true. That's why President Obama's Department of Justice did not prosecute WikiLeaks or Julian Assange because they understood that that is not that would be a total total infringement and frankly demolishing the first amendment of course the trump administration and his department of justice do not care about the first amendment they don't care about any amendment really other than the second amendment for political gain but the bottom line is they they have no case this is not a real case julian assange did not aid in a belt Chelsea Manning. What this is, is trying to essentially kill any form of serious investigative journalism or uh, radical, radical whistleblowing. And people could argue all day about Julian Assange. There's some criticisms that I think are fair. There's others that I don't think are fair. He's not perfect. He's not, he's not a villain, like some people say, but he's certainly not perfect either. I think most objective person can agree that some of the things he's done might are worth debating. But you cannot debate whether it was a good, heroic, momentous thing to expose war crimes the United States perpetrated against Iraq, against the Middle East, the disinformation and misinformation that went out to American citizens by our own government. You could say maybe WikiLeaks didn't take every proper protocol to protect sources. You could have that debate. But what the United Kingdom right now is doing, because frankly, I'm just going to be honest with you, to me, this looks like it's just being rubber stamped. You think Boris Johnson, the prime minister of the UK, who's BFF with Donald Trump, you think his courts are going to rule against um, extradition? of Julian Assange to the United States. And this will have a chilling effect because even if it is a Democratic president next, the precedent that is being set 
by the Trump administration and frankly, the corporate media journalists who are basically silent on this. There is not a lot of court, uh, there is not a lot of uh, reporters for the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Daily Beast, all these people who rant and rave about Trump's assault on freedom of the press. They're not out there speaking up for Julian Assange. Well, I am, because this isn't about whether Julian Assange is a good guy. It's not about whether he's a bad guy. It's not about whether you think he's a villain, whether you think he's a hero. It's not about whether you think he's a Russian asset or not. It is not about any of that. This is about criminalizing journalism. He might not be a journalist in the form of somebody that goes to press conferences and asks questions. He might not be a journalist in the form of somebody that sits down with politicians and throws them softball interviews. But any person, big, high profile or low profile, that exposes hard truths, that exposes the corruption of government, that exposes war crimes, is a journalist. And as a journalist, you cannot be criminal, you cannot be uh, thrown in jail for life, or you cannot, it cannot be, it cannot be uh, accused of aiding and abetting by simply being aware that a source might be committing a crime and basically talking to them while they're in, in the act of committing a crime and urging them to do so. That is not, that is not aiding and abetting. And journalism and the First Amendment protect journalists who do that. And if the Trump administration wants to redefine that, then frankly, they're going to have to retroactively go back and they're going to have to prosecute New York Times journalists who egged on sources to break the law, Washington Post journalists who spoke with and urge sources to break the law and, and many others. I know a lot is going on. I know there's a lot of organizing right now. The Bernie campaign focused next on South Carolina, Super Tuesday. There's organizers and protesters and activists organizing around climate change, the gun rights, uh, the gun control movement, uh, immigration. There's so many different causes, there's so many different things people are focused on. But folks, do not lose sight on what is going on in the UK right now. If there are groups where you live, get involved with supporting Julian Assange. Again, it doesn't even matter if you think he's a hero or a villain. This is about journalism, not Julian Assange. So that's why I started with Julian Assange, because it's that important. And there's some people very close to me in my life that disagree with me on this. That, that's fine. But as a journalist, and Jen, who's in the super chat right now, and I, you know, I'm not comparing myself to Julian Assange at all, but as a journalist who has worked on things and is currently working on th certain things that uh, I'm, not, I, I'm not breaking the law, but uh, I might know sources that are, are taking grave risks to themselves to expose the truth. This has implications for me. This has implications for Jen. It has implications for all actual investigative journalists who take risks and expose the truth. If they're going to get away with uh, throwing Julian Assange in solitary confinement for the rest of his life, don't think they won't try to do it to me, to Glenn Greenwald, to Jeremy Scahill, to Aaron Matte, to, to name your pick. 
Abby Martin. Let me show you uh, the full results of the Nevada uh, caucus here, uh, which was, I mean, what can you say other than Bernie Sanders just destroyed the competition. Bernie Sanders, 47, you know, round it, 47 percent. Uh, Uncle Joe down at 20 percent. So that would be a 40. Uh, a, what is that? 30, almost 30 points, almost 30 points. Joe Biden lost. Then you got Mayor CIA down at uh, 14, and he has the audacity to go out again and pretend that he won something. Uh, Pete Buttigieg is one of the most vile creatures I've ever covered. Uh, we're going to get to him. Then you have Elizabeth Warren uh, down at uh, just about 10%, uh, distant fourth place. And then Tom Steyer, who spent gobbles and gobbles and gobbles of money in Nevada, uh, you know, getting uh, that big, big, big uh, amount at almost 5%. Amy Klobuchar uh, nearing 4%. So uh, Bernie crushed it. He crushed it in everything. 73%, 73% of Latino voters voted for Bernie. Bernie uh, won every, every tab. White voters. He won Latina voters. He won moderate voters. He won the most liberal voters. He won younger voters. He won older voters. Only thing he didn't win was over the age of 65, which is kind of expected when it comes to, you know, demographics. But he won them all. And this is what the Democratic Party's critique of Bernie Sanders has always been. Well, he has a small window. He has a small little cult following, but he can't attract black people and he can't attract Latinos and he can't broaden his base. Well, he just got 73 percent of the Latino vote among the black vote. He came very close to beating Joe Biden. He competed with Joe Biden for the black vote in Nevada. He's getting moderate to conservative voters he won in Nevada. So this whole notion that Bernie Sanders has a ceiling was always bull****. But now they're going to have a very hard time saying that. I want to show you uh, two videos before getting to Elizabeth Warren. Let's look at Joy Reid over at MSNBC on the day the Titanic went down. According to MSNBC, they acted like uh, the Titanic had hit the iceberg. Uh, on Saturday as Bernie won. Let's take a look. Now it is the Sanders people, and I think that the rest of us that sort of look at politics have underestimated the sheer unadulterated rage, the anger of working class people, especially young people who are living in with three uh, roommates and have a Lyft job and an Uber job, and they can't make it, and they're looking at my generation, Gen X, who we could have it all in the Clinton years, and we were living well, and our parents and grandparents, and they're like, throw the tables over. They're turning the tables over, and they don't care what the potential result is. They're the hungry. And he only had to consolidate them. And the moderates, the sort of mushy moderates, think that they have the luxury of luxuriating on whether they'll have someone who can speak six languages. You know, maybe today I want this woman who's from the Midwest. And, you know, maybe I'll go with the vice president. And even African-American older voters, they are like, we're going to go with what we know. No one else is as hungry, angry, enraged, and determined as Sanders voters. Democrats need to sober up and figure out what the hell they're going to do about that. Because if he's the nominee, that's the top of your ticket. That's the top of your ticket for Senate races, House races, gubernate, everything. Figure out what you're going to do because that's looking likely. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. It's almost like, um, babe, come here for a second. Come here. No. Okay. So it's almost like if you're in a relationship for 
a while and your, your, your girlfriend or your boyfriend, uh, you've been together for a while and then all of a sudden one day they just tell you like, I'm really unhappy. Sure. No, not me. I'm just giving an analogy. I'm very happy with my girlfriend. We're moving in together. Lover, lover, lover. But it, it's almost like, like a, 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 a somebody who, like a partner in media, uh, excuse me, a partner in a relationship that just has no idea that their other partner is miserable. Like they say, Joy Reid, it, it's acting like, oh, you know, we're just, we're just realizing that, you know, half the country's poor. We're just realizing that half the country is, you know, working three jobs. We're just realizing that a lot of the country is rationing insulin. And you want to know something? When she says, um, you know, we're just learning this. They're not just learning this. They already knew this. They just didn't give a sh**. These people, from Joy Reid to Chris Matthews, who's comparing Bernie Sanders' victory in Nevada to the Nazis taking France, who's saying he's worried if Bernie wins, there's going to be executions in Central Park. Joy Reid and MSNBC essentially are admitting that they are either blatantly bad at their jobs and had no idea what was going on with the mood of the country, how economically starving people are, how economically desperate people are, how economically furious people are, or they're admitting they knew all along and just didn't give a Either way, it's unacceptable. And this is why I always talk about the issue in media, right? It's not just that there's a lack of diversity in terms of what people look like. Yeah, I mean, there definitely should be more representation of uh, African-Americans, Latinos, indigenous, all across the board in, in media. But the, the true diversity issue in media is class. That's why the interviews that Je I do, that's why the interviews that Jen do with real people, you never see it on MSNBC. You never see those people on MSNBC. You never see those people on CNN. You don't see them quoted in the New York Times or the Washington Post. Why? Because they don't want the truth to get out there of the sheer misery. They don't want the truth to get out there of the sheer economic desperation. They don't want it to get out that after people, you know, three decades ago could work, you know, one, one person in a married couple could work. Uh, uh, you didn't need two people to work. Uh, you didn't need, two, you know, people to work three jobs. They don't want the truth to get out there that so many people are working a full-time job and then coming home and driving Lyft and Uber because they can't afford their rent and their groceries and their medication. That's what is showing on screen in front of your eyes on MSNBC, CNN. They're all out of touch and intentionally so. And they don't want the status quo to change. But it looks like they're not going to have much of a choice. And I think another segment on MSNBC shows this really well. Let's take a look. Four years ago, uh, when Donald Trump was running for the Republican nomination, you and I were talking and you described the GOP as an airplane that had been hijacked by Donald Trump. And yet everybody in the back of the plane, were, they were cheering uh, the hijackers on. Uh, four years later, it seems that it's Bernie Sanders that has burst through the cockpit door and the passengers once again cheering while those owning the airlines are pulling their hair out. What's happening? 
Well, I think we're without getting into false equivalency about about Sanders and and, and Trump. I think that we are living in the, a kind of political equivalent of climate change is extreme weather. We have Chris Matthews uh, comparing Bernie Sanders supporters to the brown shirts a couple of weeks ago. Then we had Chris Matthews uh, suggesting that there might be executions in Central Park if Bernie Sanders were to win the presidency. Then we have Chris Matthews comparing Bernie Sanders winning Nevada to Germany, the Nazis taking France. And now we have Joe Scarborough comparing, uh, you know, Bernie Sanders and a populist progressive politician to hijacking planes. You just can't make this stuff up. But Joe Scarborough is actually correct about something. He's just got, he has it in reverse. There has been a hijacking of a plane. And you want to know who the hijackers were? The bankers, the fossil f***ers, big pharma, big real estate, Silicon Valley, and the plutocrats like Michael Bloomberg and the Koch brothers and Soros and all of these people. I don't care if they give to philanthropy. Great. That's great that they give to philanthropy. But how are they getting so rich? It's because they have hijacked American democracy and made this the United Corporations of America. And you want to know what that hijacking looks like, ladies and gentlemen? That's what it looks like. You've seen it before. You see it again. That red line is the hijacking. No wonder people are upset, Joy Reid. No wonder people are attracted to Bernie Sanders, Chris Matthews, Jennifer Rubin, who's a, who's a paid idiot at the Washington Post. That red line is the United States, and that's just two, that's to 2015, so we don't even have the last five years. But I think you get the picture. Yeah, there has been a plane hijacked. It's called the United Corporations of America storming the cockpit and stealing your money, your futures, and your lives. Here's another one. Look familiar? You working two to three jobs? You doing more with less at your job as your wages stay flat? Donald Trump, oh, wages are up 0.8%. Give me a f***ing break. Now we have, you're seeing the propaganda coming out of MSNBC. Let's take a look. We got uh, uh, new polls here. Morning consult, the latest after the Nevada caucus. Bernie Sanders nationally is up 13 points over Michael Bloomberg, who I have no idea, no idea, have after, after that debate, how Michael Bloomberg has gone up after that debate. That is stunning to me. He must be buying off the polls. I don't know how... Michael Bloomberg went up two points after that debate is insane. But he's down uh, to Bernie. Uh, what is that? 13 points. Then you got Uncle Joe Biden down 14 points nationally to Bernie. Then you got Mayor CIA down there all the way at 11%. Then you got Elizabeth Warren, again, down at 11%. That's nationally. Among black voters, this is the first time Bernie Sanders has taken the lead uh, according to Morning Consult, by five percentage points over Biden. Uh, Bloomberg, again, sh just absolutely stunning. I don't want to be a white guy questioning black voters, but it is stunning that Bloomberg is 25% of the black vote considering his record. Warren, strong, strong showing there at 5%, and Mayor CIA down at 3%.
Then you have Bernie with, oh, excuse me, I missed um, Hispanic voters. Uh, Bernie, commanding lead, 45%. Bloomberg next at 16. Warren at 14. Biden at 9. Buttigieg at 8% among Latinos. Bernie at among white voters, 29. Bloomberg, 17. Biden, 15. Let's look at South Carolina, where I'm going tomorrow. Thanks to you. Sign up, statuscoup.com slash join. Uh, It's close. I mean, Biden is hemorrhaging support. Down 17 points since this last CBS YouGov poll. Still in the lead, 28 percentage points. So that's 24, 25, 26. Biden up five points, but he has lost 17 points uh, among voters in South Carolina. Bernie up. Eight points uh, at 23%. Steyer, I mean, you got to give it to him. He's up 16 points. He's spent a lot of money and a lot of time in South Carolina. He's at 18%. Warren down five points. Buttigieg plus two at 10%. And Klobuchar at three. I think tomorrow's debate is probably the most important debate uh, in Bernie Sanders' political career. He's never had a debate that he has been the actual front runner in the president. In the presidential race, he is go- he is going to be getting it from every single direction, from every single candidate. Are going to be going straight for Bernie's jugular, uh, and we'll talk about that in a bit. But I do think this debate is going to have a major impact on whether Bernie Sanders could actually win South Carolina. Uh, it also hasn't been formally announced, but South Carolina Senator James Clyburn is going to endorse Joe Biden. Uh, I don't put a lot of stock in endorsements. But James Clyburn's endorsement is one that actually matters. He's a big, big deal in South Carolina politics, particularly among older black voters. They take his endorsement very, very seriously. Uh, It's not surprising that he would endorse Biden. But to tell you the truth, folks, I know the momentum. Everybody wants Bernie to win South Carolina. Um, To tell you the truth, if Bernie Sanders finishes five points behind Bernie Sanders, excuse me, Joe Biden in South Carolina, that's a victory. And that is a crushing defeat if you're Joe Biden. If Joe Biden can only beat Bernie Sanders by five in South Carolina, which is one of the uh, most uh, uh, African-American voting constituencies uh, where Barack Obama won in 2008, obviously 2012, uh, he cannot, first of all, among delegates, in terms of delegates, this is a numbers game. He's not going to get enough delegates for him to really get back into the game against Bernie Sanders. But more importantly, how do you claim you're most electable if you get crushed in Iowa, if you get crushed in New Hampshire, if you get crushed in uh, Nevada, he could say, oh, I came in second. Well, you lost by 27 points, so it's not exactly a big victory if you're Joe Biden. But if you could only beat Bernie Sanders in South Carolina by five points when you were at one point probably, I think he was up by 30 I don't really know what you're, how are you more electable? How are you the most electable? He needs to win by double digits in South Carolina for it to be truly considered a win. I don't see that happening. I do not see that happening. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I, you know, it would be good for business if I did lie to you. It would be great for business if I told you I think Bernie has a chance to win South Carolina. I think there's a chance. I think there's a chance he could win South Carolina. His campaign announced today that they are uh, adding, I believe, uh, $500,000 in television ads this week into South Carolina. The, you know, you would have to think if Bernie's campaign is adding more money into South Carolina, you only do that if you're, if you're obviously the outside polling, the public polling, 
is showing it's close. But you only do it if your internal polling is showing that that could actually make the difference in losing by five points or losing by two or three points or in winning. That's, you know, $500,000. We're talking about monopoly money here, the type of money that's being raised. But $500,000 to throw into South Carolina when you also have to spend money in California and Texas and these other Super Tuesday states, it's a lot of money to put in. So uh, I think I think there's a chance. I also think, frankly, um, I'm not going to lie to you. Tomorrow is going to be a bloodbath for Bernie Sanders. It remains to be seen. He has never been in a debate where he's been attacked by four or five people at the same time. He's been attacked by the media um, in every debate. But he's never been the direct target of every single candidate the entire debate. You would have to expect that to happen tomorrow. Because Biden has to go at Bernie. He's going to go at him over guns. He's going to he's going to go 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 at him over supposedly Bernie Sanders. You know, tried to primary Obama in 2012, which isn't even true. But he's going to try and make it true. He's going to go after him on immigration. He's going to go after him on a lot of things. But to me, the key here, the key here, and I do believe. This, if Bernie Sanders comes close, again, I think Bernie Sanders, if he loses by five, claim victory and go on. Um, I think the key in South Carolina is going to be Bernie Sanders' campaign strategy, and that's millennial African-Americans. Not just millennials, but African-Americans under the age of 40, which is, also, is not just the millennials. It's uh, Gen, is that Z? Yeah, I think that's Gen Z or Gen X. I, I don't know. Bernie Sanders' campaign has worked as, as hard as they worked in Nevada to bring out those Latino voters. They have worked very, very hard to expand the millennial black vote, the under 40 black vote. They are working to, to get some of the older African-American vote, but they're not banking on that. It will be very, very important if Bernie Sanders is going to be competitive, if Bernie Sanders even has a chance to win, he needs to bring out I mean, uh, a lot more younger, under 40 African-American voters from conversations I've had with people in the campaign. Uh, Nina Turner has been on the ground in South Carolina many, many times. Cornell West has been on the ground in South Carolina several times. Actor Danny Glover has been on the ground in South Carolina many times. Killer Mike, the rapper, has been on the ground in South Carolina several times. They have had very, very high-level, uh, influential um, black politicians as well as uh, black uh, influencers like Cornell West and uh, entertainers like Killer Mike on the ground, specifically to try and galvanize the younger African-American vote in South Carolina because the Democratic Party's number one most reliable voter is older black women. That's just a fact. So... I'm going to be honest, I don't know if older black voters are going to, in droves, abandon Joe Biden for Bernie Sanders. I think they're, you know, they are scared of the word socialist, even even when it's explained. They have, you know, they believe what they believe. They've been conditioned to believe what they believe, and that's that. But I do think there's a chance that if Bernie Sanders could expand the base, if Bernie Sanders could get an extra, you know, five five to seven percent of younger, under the age of 40 black voters to come out, I do think he could win South Carolina because I think Joe Biden's support is hemorrhaging. 
I also think when you look at this poll, look at this, look at this. Tom Steyer, Tom Steyer and all the money he spent is a big reason why Biden is taking. So if Tom Steyer, who is qualified for this debate tomorrow, if Tom Steyer does well in that debate, his, it seems to me, when you look at these numbers, it seems to me Joe Biden is losing the most support to Tom Steyer. Well, if Tom Steyer does really, really well in that debate, you might see more defections to Tom Steyer. I don't think those defections to Tom Steyer would allow Tom Steyer to move all the way up to surpass Bernie Sanders. But Tom Steyer right now is Bernie Sanders' best friend in South Carolina. Because if Tom Steyer could pluck another maybe three percentage points from Joe Biden, while Bernie Sanders gets another two or three, Bernie Sanders is going to win South Carolina. So, hey, Tom, this is the one time I say it. We welcome your billions. Today, I think Joe Biden, unless he completely collapses in this debate tomorrow, um, if Tom Perez has an amazing debate, I think Joe Biden probably would win by two to three points is what I would give him, which to me is a victory. If, if Bernie Sanders loses by two to three points in South Carolina, by the way, he lost to Hillary Clinton, I believe, by over 30 points. Check me on that, Jen. That's a victory. We have Texas, basically a tie. Bernie up eight, Biden down three. We have Massachusetts. Elizabeth Warren is right now losing her own state. Bernie up one. California, the biggest get of all states, the most delegates. They got 400-something delegates at stake in 494 delegates are at, are at stake in California. Texas has 261. Bernie is up by eight points. California, this one is major. Bernie Sanders has taken the lead in New York. 25 to Bloomberg's 21. By the way, New York, after California, has the most delegates up for grabs, 320 delegates. 538, Nate Silver's whatever company, has Bernie Sanders' average projected delegates at 1,796. That would fall below the 1,951 needed to clinch it on the first ballot, but they have Bernie by almost 1,000 over Biden in pledged delegates, over 1,000 over Bloomberg. I mean, just crushing Warren, crushing Pete. Uh, but this is the name of the game here. This is the name of the game. Right here, 1,796. This is what, where things lie and why today, I am a journalist. Most journalists don't say this, but I don't really follow rules. The set, you know, the, the boo birds can come at me if they want. It's time for Elizabeth Warren to drop out of the presidential race. I say this not because she's a woman, I say this not because I hate her. I say this not because she's disappointed me. I say this because right now, and by the way, Tulsi Gabbard has to as well. Sorry, I know a lot of Tulsi Gabbard people don't like to hear that, but it is what it is. She's been screwed. She's been treated unfairly. She hasn't gotten the media attention she should have gotten. Uh, she hasn't gotten the fair treatment she hasn't gotten, but the the reality is the reality, and right now, even that 1% or, or 2% could make a difference. Elizabeth Warren, right now, if you look at the polls, 
Well, first off, let me show you. When you look at candidates' top second choices, so the candidates' supporters, who is their top second choice? Elizabeth Warren's supporters, overwhelmingly, is Bernie Sanders. 38% of Elizabeth Warren's supporters, their top second choice is Bernie Sanders. Okay? Buttigieg, definitely not. That's 20% of his supporters. Uh, not shockingly, Buttigieg's supporters' next uh, second choice is uh, Bloomberg. Biden, I would call him to drop out, but he's not going to. Um, Biden's top second choice is 33%. Bloomberg, let's not worry about that. So Elizabeth Warren, by an overwhelming number, her voters' top second choice is Bernie Sanders. So when you look at these numbers, I mean, the bottom line is Elizabeth Warren, she announced before any candidate, she announced in December 2018, she announced. So she's been running now for almost two years. She had the most money to start. She transferred $10 million from her, pres- her Senate campaign to her presidential campaign. Remember, that was money she raised doing the big dollar fundraisers. She pretends that she didn't have big dollar fundraisers. She did in her Senate race. She did big dollar fundraisers with plutocrats in Martha's Vineyard, in Silicon Valley, in D.C., in Manhattan, and then she transferred the money. She, the media told us, Elizabeth Warren has the biggest ground game in Iowa. She came in third in Iowa. Uh, She is from Massachusetts, right next to Vermont. Uh, Excuse me, right next to Massachusetts. She came in an embarrassing fourth place. Then we moved west. She had, other than Bernie Sanders, the best ground game of any candidate. She came in a very, very distant fourth place in Nevada. Okay, so the bottom line is, I am with you. I'd like to see a woman president. Uh, I, I, it, it, to me, I, I'd love it to be Nina Turner. <laughs> uh, but the bottom line is, Elizabeth Warren, she does not have a path to the nomination. She is polling right now in South Carolina, let's take a look, at 12%. That's down five points. In Texas, she's polling at 17% in third place. In Massachusetts, she's losing in her own state. In California, she's down eight to Bernie. In New York, 11%. Nationally, she's down at 11%. That's fourth, uh, one, two, three, four, fifth, uh, well, tied with Pete. So the bottom line is this. Elizabeth Warren doesn't have a path. It's not like it's, you know, Elizabeth Warren's only path to the nomination would be somehow getting Bernie Sanders supporters to change their mind and, and come back to her. That's not going to happen. Uh, barring an unprecedented, uh, monumental, terrible debate by Bernie Sanders tomorrow, which I don't expect, Bernie Sanders supporters are not fleeing for Elizabeth Warren. Uh, when Joe Biden drops out of the way, if and when Joe Biden drops out of the race, I mean, I just showed you, Joe Biden's second choice among his voters is Bernie Sanders. They would go to Bernie Sanders. Pete, because he's a total, total lunatic narcissist who thinks coming in third place uh, means 
let's do a victory tweet who declares victory in Iowa when no results are out. He ain't dropping out. He's got money, and he's got way, way too high of an opinion of himself. So it really comes down to Elizabeth Warren. And, you know, I know there's people that are going to say, Jordan, you're being sexist, this and that. I don't care if she has a penis, a vagina, or is glow-in-the-dark. I really don't give a The bottom line is this. If Elizabeth Warren is truly, truly sincere that she wants Medicare for all in this country, if Elizabeth Warren is truly sincere that she wants to shrink corporate power, that she wants anti-corruption laws in this country, that she wants to take money out of politics, that she wants tighter regulation on Wall Street, that she wants, you know, 70, 75 different plans for 100 different things. If she is sincere, then she is serving no purpose right now other than to hurt Bernie Sanders. Uh, you know, let's stop pretending here that Elizabeth Warren, if she chooses to stay in, this is about democracy. This is about, you know, her message, whatever that is, because it keeps changing. She just flip-flopped on our entire campaign's principle in a span of a week. Oh, super PACs are terrible. Oh, corruption. Oh, I don't take any big money. Oh, wait, I'm hemorrhaging money. I have no money left. Super PAC? Yes, please. And then she has the gall to condone her having a super PAC by shielding herself and claiming it's sexist to suggest she shouldn't? Give me a f***ing break. I'm sorry. You know, this... Uh, I know I'm a man, but, you know, I, I really think it's cynical to defend you flip-flopping on the core principle of your entire campaign by claiming, well, all the, all the men have it. This isn't about being a man or a woman. This is about do you have integrity or not. When Bernie Sanders had a heart attack and everybody was declaring him politically dead... He didn't say, oh, things are not looking so hot. Let me just bend, you know, kind of flip-flop and start taking money from Michael Bloomberg. Elizabeth Warren, honestly, the only reason that she would be staying in this race is to deprive Bernie Sanders of the 1,951 delegates he needs to clinch the nomination. The only reason she would be doing that is if she believes that the media... The Democratic Party establishment, the think tanks, and the entire Democratic establishment machine would push her as a compromise candidate at the convention. A candidate that can, quote, unite the two different wings of the Democratic Party, the progressive wing with the, quote, unquote, moderate wing, which is bullshit because they're not moderate, they're, they're right wing. And I'm here to tell the establishment that they are completely delusional if they think that's going to happen. I am here to tell you that if Bernie Sanders goes into that convention with nearly a thousand more delegates than the next person and they choose somebody else, I don't know many Bernie Sanders supporters that would vote for the Democratic nominee. I want to be clear, that's not me telling people what to do. I'm telling you based on my reporting around this country, based on what I'm seeing in the movement right now, if they steal this from Bernie Sanders, which that's what it would be, I do not think that Bernie Sanders voters would vote for Jesus if that were 
the nominee they chose. Michael Bloomberg, who is a hot air balloon of greed, corruption, racism, sexism, and vile, vile plutocracy. Michael Bloomberg uh, today, you know, tweeted out, oh, crimey, cry, pity the billionaire, I say. Michael Bloomberg tweeted out today that his office was, was defaced in Flint, Michigan. Why Michael Bloomberg has an office in Flint, Michigan, I don't know. His office in Flint, Michigan is eat the rich. Somebody put an eat the rich on there. You know what, Michael Bloomberg, who tweets out our tweet, eat the rich, our office in Flint, Michigan, America deserves better. Uh, By the way, for those of you that don't know, uh, this April is six years since Flint, Michigan has had clean water. Six years. As somebody on Twitter pointed out, Mike Bloomberg could have funded the entire Flint water crisis recovery and still had $100 billion to spare with his total campaign investment to date. But Mike Bloomberg wants people to cry crocodile tears because somebody wrote, eat the rich on his Flint office. Go f*** yourself, Mike Bloomberg. Acting like this is the worst thing to happen in Flint, Michigan. But that's not it. Mike Bloomberg's campaign manager was interviewed. And here's what he had to say. Uh, We're going to spend Trump out of office. Mike's got the record to do it. You stack Mike up, who he is, what his record is, where he is on the issues, and his ability to get his message out. Mike wins the general election. Even on stage against Trump. It is vastly easier to be on stage with one person. Yeah, Mike could handle that. Yeah, because, you know, Mike handled uh, the Democratic debate he was on last week so well. So this is Mike Bloomberg's new bumper sticker. I I kid you not. We're going to spend Trump out of office. Uh, I think Mike Bloomberg and his campaign officials might want to watch some Occupy Wall Street videos might want to go to a Bernie Sanders rally, might want to go to a Donald Trump rally. I am here to tell you, the more ads, if it was Michael Bloomberg versus Donald Trump, Michael Bloomberg could spend his entire fortune. He could spend $60 billion. It will actually have the opposite effect. People will get so nauseous, so tired, so overwhelmed with this theatrical creation of a man that's not the real Michael Bloomberg, just what his advertisements are are making him look like, that they'll just go vote for Trump. People are smarter. It's a new age. People are smarter than your advertising. And by the way, you can only advertise your way so much. People are going to see you during debates and you're a terrible debater because there's no there there. People are going to see you in interviews if you became the nominee. There's no there there. There's a lot of racism there. There's a lot of evil plutocracy there. There's a lot of trying to, uh, you know, increase the cost of Social Security, cut Social Security. This would be a total disaster. But the arrogance of Michael Bloomberg and his campaign, if that wasn't enough, them saying, oh, we're just going to buy it to beat Trump. Then, uh, 
they say, uh, now Bernie, this is his campaign manager. Now, Bernie will never be the choice of 50% of the voters in the Democratic primary. The rules are designed to give you more delegates than the votes you get in multi-candidate field. That's the way they're designed. So if you're beneath 15% in any race, you get no delegates. And then they apportion to the people that are above them. You know, I do find it odd. There was obviously a question to debate, which is, hey, if someone has a plurality, should they just become the nominee? And there is this almost like broad acceptance. Well, yeah, you're first across the line, but, you know, this really is a party primary. And the question is, who should the party get behind? And I look at it very different, which is to say, well, shouldn't the majority decide? You know, Bernie is basically arguing that a minority should decide the candidates for the party. So this is very instructive because Michael Bloomberg's campaign manager, speaking for Michael Bloomberg, seems to think that the majority is not the actual voters of America, that the majority is superdelegates. They should decide. Because that's what this means if he, Bernie doesn't get 1,951 delegates, then it would go to a second ballot. And to Michael Bloomberg and his campaign manager, the majority is superdelegates. That would be congressmen, senators, lobbyists, big donors, plutocrats. The bourgeoisie, that's the majority to Michael Bloomberg. Let me tell you something. If Michael Bloomberg thinks that the he, they're going to rig it, he's going to buy off the superdelegates, which his campaign has already acknowledged they are currently trying to do. They're just trying to donate and buy off superdelegates to vote for him on the second ballot. If they then think, okay, that... As the nominee, they're going to then spend a billion dollars during the general election and then beat Donald Trump. Here's the problem with that. I honestly, I don't know one Bernie Sanders voter who would vote for Michael Bloomberg if they steal the nomination for Bernie Sanders and gives it to Michael Bloomberg. And you want to know something? I'm pretty sure... I don't know one because Michael Bloomberg's campaign manager just told Bernie Sanders people to go off. No, I'm not making this up. Here's more of Michael Bloomberg's campaign manager. Well, let's be clear. One, Bernie and his followers helped write the rules after the last convention. So we have a set of rules that were largely adopted because of complaints that Bernie had in this last election. So these are the rules he advocated for. I think the other part is it's enough that Trump had a band of folks who are intimidating people from the right. When it comes to Bernie followers, I don't really give a The idea that somehow we would succumb because some minority is going to threaten us, it's ludicrous. We had two of our campaign offices defaced overnight by Bernie supporters. So, there you have it. That's the Bloomberg bumper sticker. When it comes to Bernie followers, I don't really give a shit. I don't know. Maybe Bloomberg's plan will be to try and buy off Bernie supporters too. Go home to home. Offer them 10 grand each. I mean, 
either this guy is the worst politician since Hillary Clinton or he's not well mentally because if he thinks this is how you he you know they could buy their way to the nomination sure they could buy their way to a brokered convention and Elizabeth Warren right now by staying in the race is helping them do that but if he thinks he's then going to get Bernie Sanders supporters to swallow hard and go vote for them after they stole it from Bernie and after they basically say, I don't give a shit about Bernie Sanders supporters. I'm not joking. It, it, it would not shock me at all if Michael Bloomberg tried to literally offer Bernie Sanders supporters money to vote for him. And you want to know something? As economically desperate as a lot of these Bernie supporters are, I'm not, I'm not mocking you. I, I know the economic uh, hurting in our audience, in Bernie's movement. Maybe some will take it, but I don't, I think the majority wouldn't. And I think if that happens, folks, we would be very, very close to a yellow vest movement in this country. It might actually happen. Michael Bloomberg is a, I think Donald Trump is awful. I think Donald Trump is racist. I think he's a misogynist. I think he's a rapist from all the evidence. Uh, I think he's an Islamophobe. I think all these things about Donald Trump. So this isn't to equate or, or make Bloomberg worse, better, whatever. Michael Bloomberg is everything wrong with this country. And I don't give a how much money he has given. Philanthropy does not paper over how you have gotten your money. It doesn't paper over your greed. It doesn't paper over the unethical things you do, like buying off politicians, like buying off organizations, like buying off think tanks. You don't get to just give money for good causes and then you're okay. Same thing goes for Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates. But this is where we're at. This is just, you know, worth the price of admission. You know, Bernie Sanders, I mean, there were people that predicted this. Max Blumenthal, uh, Aaron Maté, Jimmy Dore, a whole lot of people predicted. Well, once Bernie gets in the lead, they're going to try and make him a Russian puppet and a Russian asset. So as I was sick, as I was sick uh, the last week, uh, very sick to the point where I couldn't travel, I could barely get out of uh, bed, um, you know, intelligence reports come out, oh, Bernie is the preferred candidate of Russia. Russia is trying to help Bernie win. You know, uh, Ru- Bernie's the new Trump. What's the evidence? Uh, we'll tell you later. Same thing. What did this come from the Washington Post? Russia Gate. what is this now? I don't know, not 2.0, 3.0, 4.0. I said to my girlfriend, you know, what, what is the evidence of this? Because there might be bots supporting Bernie Sanders. That means they're, they're trying to elect him. You know, did Russia convince 73% of Latinos in Nevada to vote for Bernie Sanders? This is ridiculous madness. But the media then, oh, MSNBC was on fire 
Oh my god, Rachel Maddow's head is exploding over this. Bernie Sanders is Russia's new preferred candidate. They're trying to prop up Bernie Sanders because Putin thinks Bernie would be the weakest candidate to go up against Trump. So they're trying to artificially prop up Bernie so that he could then lose to Trump. I mean, Jesus Christ, we're living in a ridiculous alternate universe with these people. And it's all, by the way, to scare the living hell out of older voters and, and make sure those older voters don't defect to the burn. And by the way, I'm not knocking. We got older people in our audience. We love you. But by and large, most of the people buying this Russiagate nonsense are older. After days of this hysteria, reality, reality comes back. U.S. intelligence briefer appears to have overstated the assessment of 2020 Russian interference. Oh, you don't say? The U.S. intelligence community's top election security officials appears to have overstated the intelligence community's formal assessment of Russian interference in the 2020 election, omitting important nuance. What's nuance? I've never heard of such a thing. During a briefing with lawmakers earlier this month, the official Shelby Pearson told lawmakers on the House Intelligence Committee that Russia is interfering in 2020's election with the goal of helping Trump. The intelligence community has assessed that Russia is interfering in the 2020 election and it has separately assessed that Russia views Trump as a leader they could work with. But the U.S. does not have evidence that Russia's interference this cycle is aimed at re-electing Trump, the officials said. The intelligence doesn't say that, one senior analyst one senior national security official told CNN, a more reasonable interpretation of the intelligence is not that they have a preference. It's a step short of that. It's more that they understand the president is someone they could work with. He's a deal maker. Pearson's characterization, characterization of Russian interference led to pointed questions from lawmakers, which officials said caused Pearson to overstep and assert that Russia has a preference for Trump to be reelected. One intelligence official said that Pearson's characterization of the intelligence was, quote, misleading, and a national security official said Pearson failed to provide the nuance needed to accurately con convey the U.S. intelligence conclusions. So basically, in a nutshell, CNN, MSNBC, home of Russiagate, New York Times, Washington Post, they run with Russia's at it again. Russia's trying to interfere Russia's trying to help Trump. Then they add a new spin on the wheel. Russia's helping Bernie. Russia's helping Bernie Sanders. Everyone's, you know, up in arms because intelligence officials said to Bernie Sanders that there was, I don't know, Russia was trying to help him. The Washington Post story that reported that or broke it said, well, it's not really clear how they're trying to help him, but intelligence officials said they're trying to help him. Wait, so the government, the intelligence agencies, the deep state, yes, there is a deep state. They got it wrong. Oh, they lied. Oh, they just say things and then the media reports it, even though those intelligence officers don't provide any evidence of any of it. You don't say. Bernie Sanders, honestly... Let's, for argument's sake, say that Putin instructed his army of whatever, bots, whatever, to prop up Bernie because 
Putin thinks that Bernie would be a weak candidate against Trump. Let's say for argument's sake, that's true. Who gives a shit? Why, why is this the new Cold War? Does it look like the young people at Bernie Sanders rallies are there because of Russia? Does it look like the Latinos? Like, I'm just talking to sane, objective people. Does it look like the 73% of Nevada Latinos voted because of some Russian vodka they drank the night before? Does it look, are all of these volunteers flying into Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, South Carolina, from all over the United States to knock on doors for Bernie Sanders, are they doing it because of a meme they saw on Facebook that might be from a bot? This is the most ridiculous, stupid propaganda I've ever seen. And if you want to know who is really interfering in this election, Chris Matthews is interfering in this election. Joe Scarborough is interfering in this election. CNN is interfering in this election with this bullshit propaganda. Let the voters decide. I would be much happier if MSNBC stopped pretending and just said, we are the home of the Democratic Party. We are the home of Nancy Pelosi and the establishment Democrats. And we do not believe Bernie Sanders should be elected president. And as such, our coverage will reflect that. Just speak who you are. Be open and honest about it. That's fine. If they want to do that and they want to be open about who they are, that's fine. But the interference is from all of these outlets that run to Third Way and run to Rahm Emanuel and run to all of these corrupt hacks. You know, there's well, Rahm Emanuel's on ABC and, and writing. Rahm Emanuel covered up the murder, the execution of a 17-year-old black kid named Laquan McDonald in Chicago. He shouldn't be on TV. He should be in jail. That's where he should be. Chris Matthews is comparing progressive voters, hungry, impoverished, rationing insulin to brown shirts in Germany. James Carville. I don't care. You know, hey, if you want to have people on that don't support Bernie Sanders, that's fine. This is America. We could debate it. If you're somebody that thinks tax cuts are super great, all right. If you're James Carville and, you know, you think, oh, Bernie's a step too far, fine. You could have that opinion. But when they continue to push propaganda out there, and what I mean by propaganda, I tweeted this earlier, they put out facts that just are wrong. Rahm Emanuel goes on The View. Again, these women on The View are having on somebody that covered up the murder of a 17-year-old black man who was shot 16 times by a police officer in Chicago, Laquan McDonald. And he says, well, Bernie's, Bernie's a liability with independent voters. I mean, a quick Google search will show you Bernie Sanders, one of his strongest electoral performances in 2016 in Vermont now is among independent voters. So they just have people go out there to say factually untrue things to then convince viewers who are voters not to vote for this person. So if you're going to have people on, I don't care if it's commentary. I offer my opinion, 
but I make sure that it's backed up by facts. And if I get facts wrong, I correct myself. That's not what you're seeing on MSNBC.